Hi there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five points of journalism. Who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. Welcome to episode 55, where we talk with Yolanda. Stay tuned as we delve into the good, the bad, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. All right. So Yolanda, who are you? Well, that's a really detailed question. Who am I? I guess that's something that I am always figuring out as I expand and get to know myself. I am basically, I'm a lesbian. I'm a hula hooper. I am poly, of course. And yeah, I'm a photographer and I have a lot of hobbies that would explain me, but I am basically a social butterfly as well. So I'd say that's probably the best thing to sum me up. Nice. Fantastic. So what drew you to polyamory, Yolanda? Honestly, I have always had hints of the thought of wanting to have an open relationship my um, basically my entire life, my entire dating life, as early as... Um, I didn't start dating until I was 18. And I remember feeling like at first I thought it was just that I needed to have more than one sexual partner. And like, I kind of related it to that. And then as I kind of like told my first girlfriend that the only reason I I was like, you can't be with me unless you would be open to have threesomes. Like I have to have, like I have to have group sex. And then from there, then I realized well, I can't have sex without emotions. <laughs> so nothing wrong involved. with that. And so not to stereotype or anything, but that's very lesbian of you. <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. So then I realized, like, I, I didn't have a word for that. So I guess I forgot about it and pushed it down for a while and moved on to my second relationship, which I ended up um, getting married And I let her know that I don't really believe that I can just be with one partner. And again, I wasn't really sure what, and I didn't, I told her right away and I let her know that um, at some point when we have a really good foundation, I would like to be able to explore that. And she agreed. So we were married for like, well, we were together for two years and then we were married for two years before we started opening up our relationship but I was doing a lot of research I was reading the ethical slut and I was reading I was doing all the stuff <laughs> listening to podcasts and trying to really understand like how we can work through this in a healthy way and do this the right way and of course I did it the absolute wrong way <laughs> because <laughs> I mean they say there's no wrong way but there is um, <laughs> so I almost basically did this thing I they say lesbians fall in love with straight girls a lot and that that happened to me too once but then I felt for a girl that was or a woman that was monogamous and so just unavailable (laughs) that's what you're attracted uh, to (laughs) but then she was of course in the dating field with uh that is she was open to learning and I hear that a lot. I mean, now I know to stay away from that a little bit, <laughs> but I hear that a lot. It's I 
am opening, I'm open to learning about that because they want to go on a date with you. They want to get to know you and then they start liking you. And then of course it's, we did, we started kind of seeing each other and then we kind of were in a triad for a little bit. And I mean, I don't know. It was very complicated. Of course it was very complicated. And she decided that she couldn't do that. Um, there was a lot of hierarchy things that I didn't even realize we were doing that we were doing. And then my wife at the time decided that she has to be a monogamous and she can't deal with poly life. And so of course we divorced. Yeah. (laughs) And then we got a divorce and I was in another relationship. Then I kind of was like, I can't do poly. It's too hard. And, and of course I came back to it because you can't just stop. <laughs> right. It's hard. That's yes, life. not who you are. <laughs> I think, I think all relationships thing, are hard. Like the big thing that ended my marriage was me going through a really rough breakup with my other girlfriend. That wasn't my wife's fault, but she had to be there to help me through that. And she had to like pick up the pieces and she didn't want to pick up the pieces because it wasn't her fault. So Mm. that's what happened. (laughs) That was basically the end of my marriage. (laughs) That's rough. That's really tough. So what does polyamory mean to you? Polyamory is just that freedom to follow like your heart. Just follow your heart. The, The biggest thing that sticks with me is I've always been attracted to multiple people whether it's just their personality or there's something about them that just really draws you to them and I don't want the fact that I'm in a relationship to be able to hold me back from pursuing something and then when you do pursue it whether it just be a friendship or it starts gaining like more into a relationship or a romantic partnership then you have that opportunity because I don't think that one person can meet all of your needs definitely not all mine I'm way too needy (laughs) I think that's way too human being (laughs) yes so what if anything Yolanda do you find difficult about polyamory oh (laughs) there's a lot I'm guessing there's some things (laughs) there's a lot of difficult things I would say the things that are more like the most difficult with me And I am only speaking on my behalf, but other lesbian polyamorous people might have the same or similar experiences as I have had. I have had bi-curious women that basically are on the hunt and to put it lightly, and it, it will turn out into like heartbreak or put you, it could very well put you in very uncomfortable situations because a lot of bicurious women have male partners and then they think they're entitled to be a part of things or to know about everything or you know there's so many different variations and then that bicurious person I I mean, if you're with them, then all of a sudden they decide, ooh, I am not into women. Then you have that weird issue. I mean, 
I don't personally get because I'm lesbian. So I'm like, <laughs> how can you not be into women? Um, <laughs> but there's that conflict. Um, really, the respecting of boundaries. I had a girlfriend and we were long distance and she lived in Tennessee and she had a boyfriend that was monogamous, but he was very possessive of her. And we, I told him I didn't want to meet him that first time I went to Tennessee and he showed up where we were at and pretended like it was a coincidence. And Ooh. it was very uncomfortable. And then of course he grabs her away from me and then they just walk forward. And she was so, I don't know. She was so submissive to him that she allowed that even though it severely impacted my feelings I mean I just drove 17 hours to come hang out with you and then bye <laughs> and then she, yeah, didn't talk, then she didn't text me I got home and she didn't text me for like a week so that ended that relationship wow um, so I've had a lot of issues with men um I've had a lot of issues with men allowing their wives to be poly so they can explore their lesbian side or whatever they call it. I've had them call it so many different things. And I'm not just someone's guinea pig. Mm -hmm. And that is like the hardest thing is I'm not a guinea pig. I'm not into men at all. I can emotionally be into a guy. I really can. Cause I do like guys. Um, more as friends, but, and not sexually at all, but I am not a man hater. That's another thing that comes up a lot is, uh, I've had a woman tell me she can't be with me because, or she can't go on a date with me because her husband's worried that because I'm a lesbian, that I'm going to be a feminist, like man hater. I've had really, in I mean, I did move wow. from North Dakota, so... <laughs> Things are maybe a little different. Than I love when men make feminism about them by being yeah. like, feminism is about hating men. It's like, it's actually not about you. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stop making it about you. Please do not mansplain feminism to me. <laughs> exactly. So I've, I've gone through my own things with that and possessiveness. And it's been uncomfortable at times. But in finding lesbian poly women are you kidding me i would say that i mean i don't care to be with bi women or pansexual you know i don't care the sexuality of the people i date so it's not that i want to necessarily but it'd be really nice to have a conversation with other lesbian you know polyamorous people it's just they're not anywhere to be found <laughs> they're the real unicorns of our community that's what i always say <laughs> They need yeah. another. They're the fairies. We're the fairies. <laughs> yeah, that's even better because we are magical. <laughs> so when did you know you were Polly? I put a label to it seven years ago now. So I identified as Polly seven years ago. Was there something that caused you to take that on? I just knew. I just knew I was into open relationships and then... I did more research and I realized there's a whole community and that was that. Um, so Yolanda, when 
if ever, did you feel different? I would say that that's a difficult question because I came out different. Um, <laughs> I'm a different human being, okay? I am the rainbow, free-loving spirit of my family. I am totally different, than, and I've always been different. I have eight brothers and four sisters, and I am. Oh, oh. So I'm the youngest, and I'm the most colorful, and my nickname is Punky Brewster. My idol is Cindy Lauper. Um, I... Everything is different. So I guess even when I told my mom that I was Polly, it didn't really come as much of a surprise to her because it was, I always throw things at her that are like, oh, guess what? You know? So I, I don't necessarily know a time that I felt not different. Yeah. Totally. So where would you say you are in your Polly journey? Is there levels? <laughs> <laughs> Round three in Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, maybe better question is, uh, do you have any like poly goals or where would you hope to go? Yeah, I would ha- I would really hope to be a uh, advocate for uh, the polyamorous community. Um, I think that normalizing our community what is is a huge would be a huge step forward um do i foresee that in anywhere in near future not really because look at the world i just i want to be able to be open about it and honest about it i don't like secrets i am a very honest person and especially really honest with myself so i just want to continue doing that and right now i've been admining admining the Wisconsin polyamory group. And I feel really good about doing that. I get to meet a lot of people. I get to help them through things. I am very active in my state's community. And so I feel, I feel good about where I'm at, but there's always progress to be made. For sure. So why do you think that you're poly? Because I'm a Gemini. Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, for real though, I'm a Gemini and I have a heart that loves a lot. And I have a lot of love to give. I also have different desires and different needs that can no way come from one person. And I would never put that on one person to try to fulfill. Because they're not going to meet all of those expectations. So it's nice that I don't have to date with a huge expectation of a person. I just can date with the knowledge of what I like and what I dislike and see what they, you know, can add to my life and what I can add to theirs. And our last question before we get into our topic is, why did you agree to be interviewed today? I actually first heard this podcast when I was living in Fargo, North Dakota, Really? Oh, that's how we met. You messaged me. Oh my God. I forgot. That's how we met. That's so weird. Yeah. And I was, I was like, I want to listen to a poly podcast and I was sitting in my bath and I was like scrolling and I started listening to this other one and I was like, this is horrible. And so then I went and I clicked on yours and I started listening to it and I ended up staying in the bath. I listened to like two or three episodes. I was all pruned out by the end. (laughs) 
And then I was like, I'm pretty sure she said Milwaukee. That's Wisconsin, right? Because I knew that I was moving to Wisconsin. And I was like, what is the, like, what are the odds? They have a group, they have a community. And I got really excited. So then I messaged your Facebook page for your podcast. And this is back in like November of 2019. Yeah, it was quite a while ago. And uh, or October of 2019 even. And so I messaged and I asked if you guys were in Wisconsin and you said yes. And then you told me to add you on Facebook. And then I did. And then all of a sudden the rest is history. <laughs> right. So I think it's kind of funny. And I am interviewed because I want to spread my experiences and hopefully someone can learn something or grow from it. Right. And hopefully there's some other person out there who would like to be part of a lesbian welcoming poly community who will hear this and feel more like hey i'm not alone right and maybe they want to go on a date with me it's fine <laughs> <laughs> although i i don't think i've had that as an answer or, uh, the podcast has had that as an answer of like why did you why do you agree to be on this podcast to get a date <laughs> to get yes, to get well, laid <laughs> well i don't know we did have somebody who said it was because you were cute Lindsay. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that is true. We have had that as an answer. Uh, <laughs> but I would be uh, very excited if I found out that somebody like made a connection because of our podcast. <laughs> that would be that would so be cool. Awesome. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. So now you have to plug that in. That <laughs> if you want to be a guest, yeah, the, you know, specifically to find a date. Interviews no, no. It'll turn into a big like. <laughs> craigslist podcast (laughs) all right cool well we'll, we will take a short break and when we come back we will be talking about lesbian polyamory (laughs) sounds good polyamory uncensored is excited to announce a brand new product we have designed a planner and journal specifically geared for polyamorous individuals If you're a fan of the podcast, you know that I love recommending journaling to our guests and audience members. After about the 50th time or so I caught myself suggesting it, I thought to myself, there should be a journal specifically designed for us polyamorous folks. One that includes a planner, because of course we'd be planning, and one that prompts us to go deep into our poly lives. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the just plain complicated truths. (laughs) And I wanted to put together a space where you could go if you needed to vent out all of those really hard poly drama feelings. So I designed the Polyamory Uncensored Planner and Journal. This little book includes a full year planner for the year 2021, as well as self-discovery pages, guided journal with polyamory themed prompts and resource guide pages so that you can keep track of the books and podcasts and websites that you find helpful in your poly journey. Get yours today for yourself or the thoughtful polyamorist in your life at tinyurl.com slash poly2021. That's tinyurl.com slash poly2021. In doing so, you support me and this podcast. Thank you so much. I love you. Bye. All right. And we are back. Uh, And today's topic is going to be on like, well, I called it lesbian polyamory, but really just like being polyamorous while identifying as a lesbian and the struggles therein. So um, we kind of already touched on it a little bit when we talked about what is difficult uh, for you, but 
What are some of the hardships that are unique in polyamory specifically to lesbian folks? What do you think? Yeah, I would say that uh, something that has happened to me quite often is when someone finds out that I'm lesbian and I'm talking someone I don't really know at all. Like, it's one thing if your friends make this comment I'm about to say, and it's one thing if a stranger does. Mm-hmm. Um, is when I come out as lesbian and they're like, oh, I could never be lesbian because I like dick so much. And they just go into, like, explicit details on how much they love it. And... <laughs> That's so rude! That happens more often. It happens almost every thing I go to. Every... Yes, it happens so often. And I keep telling, like, my response usually to them is, you wouldn't tell a vegan person about how much you love meat, would you? Well, they probably would, because they might. Like, I just, it's it's very... But that's a good parallel. I mean, it's the same kind of aggressive behavior. I mean, like, you know, with the just enough plausible deniability that people do it and don't think that they're being an asshole. Right. And it's one thing if it's one of my girlfriends and we're talking and, you know, and we're having our wine and game night and that conversation comes up because I am very, like, sex positive. I'm a person that, you know, doesn't mind having those discussions and stuff, but it happens a lot with strangers and it gets really uncomfortable. Um, I was thinking about, like, how many times I've heard um, just queer folks in general um, talk about the inappropriate questions they get asked, really, really deeply personal questions about, like, even just how they have sex uh, or, you know, like trans folks, how often do they get asked about their genitalia? And it's like, I just met you. What the fuck? Like, how do you think that that's appropriate? Uh, but I imagine that is so common with just like... I- how do you have sex? What do you do? You don't have a penis. You know, I and even working at the tool shed, I've had uh, customers be like, what do lesbians, like, why do they use dildos? Why don't they just get a guy? And it's like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, and I, I get that conversation more from monogamous communities than I do from poly communities. The, sure. the how do you, lesbians have sex and stuff like that. I haven't had that a lot from our community however that's a small blessing (laughs) however i have had the male partner of someone i'm either date going on dates with or just started talking to even like literally my second phone conversation with a woman and her boyfriend was like well have you ever had sex with a penis before and how do you know you're lesbian if you haven't? Oh. How do you know I you're straight? Get that <laughs> so often. Like, I got that throughout college. I got that throughout every community. Like, if you're a gold star, you there's no reason that you would know that you're a lesbian. So, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's horrible. So I identify as bi, but I was married to another woman for 12 years. And in the context of being married, I identified as a lesbian. It just seemed like a more clean way to navigate the world. Yeah. Um, 
and we had two children together. And so when you were talking about the inappropriate questions, I just was like in flashback city because boy, do people want to know how a lesbian got pregnant. Right. And I had that question in my interview for a job once. Are you fucking kidding me? No, In in Fargo for a real estate company, the guy, the owner of the company wanted to know how two women can have a kid. In my job interview. Oh my God, that's awful. I sometimes feel like I need a tattoo that just says, Google is your friend. <laughs> Let me Google that for you. You know, it's like, it's so easy to figure out things nowadays if you have a curiosity and you don't have to put someone on the spot. <laughs> like, just, I just Google it. I got to point where I could tell from the deep breath before the question, like when I was visibly pregnant, like, oh no, it's coming. And I would just say, Strangest online shopping experience you can possibly imagine. (laughs) (laughs) And I think one time the person was like, what are you, what? Mm -hmm. Like, I assume you were about to ask me how lesbian gets pregnant. Like, I would never ask that. But literally, (laughs) like, a hundred times at least that I said that, one time someone was like, no, 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 no. I was going to ask about your purse or, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You were talking about how dating bi folks, specifically people who identify as as maybe bi or queer or pan, uh, could be challenging if they have a male partner or if they are maybe going through an experimental phase, which I just, so, it's so hard to be like, to calling something like that a phase because so often bisexuality is erased because people are saying it's a phase. But then on the other side, if you're experiencing them literally going through a phase and experimenting with you and using you as a guinea pig, it sure does feel like a phase, you know? (laughs) So I think you phrased it as bi-curious in the first half. And I think that's a really important distinction where if somebody is curious as opposed to being out and part of the community as bi, those are different sort of mental orientations as well as sexual orientations. Right. And then there's that toxicity that can come from primarily male partners, whether it be husband, usually it's from husbands, like with the actual marriage thing, where they tell their wives that they can open up their side of the marriage as long as it's with another female the one penis policy the one penis policy but then of course you get involved with that person who may or may not be curious or bisexual because sometimes it's like oh he's giving me this opportunity or it's them trying to please him and then he wants to be involved whether it be i just want to watch or something and think they're entitled to that situation. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so disrespectful of you and your feelings and you know, the relation the idea that the relationship is just as valid as any other intimate relationship. Right. Yeah, and we actually had talked about this Yolanda and on how we had a very similar experience of dating a a woman who who had a boyfriend and then learning in well into the relationship. I mean, for me, it was, I was probably dating her for two or three months before I found out the only reason she was quote unquote allowed 
to date other women was like on the agreement that she had with her partner that it would be a threesome eventually. And again, three months in, I had no idea. And not only was I not attracted to her partner, I was actively repulsed by her partner. He was the exact opposite of my like type if I had one. But um, and so so I literally had to break up the relationship because I was like, I will never have sex with your your boyfriend. And she's like, it's fine. He'll get over it. And I was like, no, I really don't think you understand. <laughs> like, Right. You have it's disrespectful to you to like have not been upfront with you about that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and then that's essentially how the relationship had to end was because of like this is, was based on a lie. And literally the way that this guy was looking at me was like this lecherous, like eventually I'm going to get in on this. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, I can't be at your house. I can't be around you if this is going to be a constant thing. And, and Yolanda, you had said that you had like a very similar experience. And what's interesting is again, I, I think you also said this, this woman was a lesbian. Like she was oh, dating yeah. a boy. She was dating a man, but, but, and she later came out as lesbian when they broke up. But like, a hundred percent a lesbian and she was just kind of like i don't know if she was just with them because they had been together since high school and she felt like she had to but like it was bad 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 uh choices all around (laughs) my situation was like nearly identical to yours um i was probably and we were long distance but i was talking to her for probably about three months before she flew here and then we spent time together where oh it was so annoying because her boyfriend like freaked out and messaged her ex of how sad he was that she's with me and all of this stuff. And it became a whole thing. And then he messaged us saying he was going to kill himself and all this stuff. So there's mm. a lot of toxic stuff. Oh and then God. she flew back and I found out probably another month after that. So we had been Taylor, I don't know, three or four months when I found out that he wanted to be involved and he was mad at the fact that I was a lesbian and only a lesbian and he didn't approve. So then he just made her life hell. She was totally gay. Um, she was only with him. Really, this is what I believe. She has five kids and none of them are his, but he is the only one that works and she's like a stay at home mama. Oh, there was a lot of issues with that, but he took care of her and the house and that type of stuff. So she relied on him financially and all of that. So there was that dynamic. And then when she, I broke up with her and then she ended up breaking up with him a couple months after I broke up with her. And of course that's from him uh, showing up unexpectedly in our location. It's complicated. But yeah, I, I'm just, I'm glad I didn't submit because I don't like to make people feel bad or like, I'm one of those people that I, I mean, I'm dominant typically, like my personality is really dominant, but I'm also one of those people that in, in certain situations you could, you could probably push me to think I'm like questioning if I'm, what I'm doing is right. I don't know. So Mm -hmm. sometimes there's some like, self-esteem that issues that come up with that and and I'm kind of like oh like I always question because I think that sexuality is pretty fluid and I'm always like 
oh, am I really gay? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am. Okay. <laughs> she had to talk about right. You just like, my friends will literally joke with me. They're like, oh, are you questioning your gayness? And I said, yeah. And they're like, okay, let me explain the penis to you. And then it's just <laughs> yeah. the stuff they say. I just like, oh. Well, and that, I think, also the thing where you're like, it's so demonstrates how wrong the people who think like you can't know that you're a lesbian if you haven't had sex with a penis right attached to a man um like straight people typically don't question themselves that way they don't interrogate their sexual identities in the way i mean some people do but it's far more rare than Anybody in the queer community in the course of coming out or, you know, ongoing in life, like, where am I on the Kinsey scale now? How do I identify now? What am I into now? And the idea that, you know, you're more than 12 years old and you have not, you know, thought about this if you are not heterosexual is just ludicrous. Right. And I think that it would be so much easier if I was into men, too. <laughs> it would make the dating pool really big for me. <laughs> um, but also, like, we were talking earlier about things that we deal with. Le- being a lesbian is seen as a fetish. Totally. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's one of the number one porn outlooks for people is lesbian porn and looking at that and so I have a lot of men message me and unsolicited and it's so great um (laughs) because they want to see who can who can sleep with a lesbian or what how much of a lesbian are you like that's also something I've had that question asked to me how much of a lesbian are you like what like, I'm not bi, if that's what you're wondering. I'm not bi-curious, if that's what you're wondering. Like, I have my identity. Like, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that, um, well, and it's kind of what we were already talking about uh, along the lines of, like, unicorn hunters, but then also, like, sneaky unicorn hunters that you don't even know are actually hunting you because you're like, oh, I had, I did not consent to being part of this aspect uh so there's like that sneaky unicorn hunter or the bait and switch unicorn hunters that oftentimes yeah will come into play right so on the other side of it um i the sort of stereo you know the other sort of lesbian stereotype out in the world is sort of so monogamous that you bring the u-haul on the second date and i would my experience with that is, you know, maybe not a hundred percent there, but certainly like heavily in that direction. And I, and I wonder how trying to date lesbians while Polly has worked for you. Like if I've dated another lesbian, that's Polly. Oh, I haven't. Yeah. I mean, I mean, my current girlfriend, I, She's still on the fence of, like, if she's poly or monogamous, like, there's not really that identity there, and she's my nesting partner, so it's not really, like, a dating, like, going and dating someone. I will say that, well, with me, I don't know if it's because I'm a woman or I'm a lesbian or I'm just a Gemini. I don't know, but (laughs) I'm very much a romantic, 
And I put a lot of heart and maybe a lot of romance and a lot of giving into my partners. And I think that I can definitely become overwhelming, especially to like introverted people or people that have only dated men because I have a very like emotional, sensitive uh, aspect to me. Not saying men can't be that, but stereotypically they're not. Um, And I have done things for my partners like poetry and art and I'm very giving and I show up last minute, you know, like I'll show up at you tell me that you need me and I'm there. So having that and the moving quick because we're both emotional people and moving really quick, that can be very terrifying to a bisexual or non-lesbian woman. (laughs) And so I don't know, that's difficult. I would say it might be difficult for them because that's kind of how I am as a partner. So and being more emotional. Actually, one of the questions I wrote down was uh, the U-Haul lesbian trope. Does that translate in polyamory? But that <laughs> kind of makes sense that maybe it doesn't. It, that maybe it's very terrifying <laughs> to to, yeah. to get into a committed relationship quickly. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still <laughs> figuring it out. <laughs> I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people, though, that instead of U-Haul, I'm bringing art or I'm bringing like right. pieces that remind me of you or I'm just yeah I have that aspect which I would say is very much the similar to that U-Haul experience and something I will say is that for me like new relationship energy is strong but it also I act nearly the same in the beginning throughout especially if it's a distance partner like if it's a long distance partner I've noticed with the women that I've either been on dates with or had relationships with, and all of them have identified as bisexual, all of the women I've dated, their new relationship energy lasts two months and then is gone. It's like you're the hottest thing in the world and then nothing. And being, I get really sold out of the priority list because I dated women with husbands and of course that takes priority, but then I'm like really left on the back burner, like almost to the point where I get no communication at times and I don't know what's going on, especially if that person has kids and such too, then it becomes even harder. And it's like, it's hard to like recognize hierarchy and then recognize like your responsibilities as a parent Mm-hmm. And know that if you are in a relationship with a partner, you also need to make sure they're on some level of your priority list, which I think is hard for women that have only been with men to do or newly open women. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's almost like an inverse of the sort of stereotype of the lesbians who won't date by women when everybody is monogamous and single. Like, it, it, it yeah, it's the, here you are trying to like be open to dating women in different places in life and, you know, not having success kind of in this like weirdly parallel universe version of that. Yeah, 
It really is. It's been a nightmare at times. <laughs> it's been great at times. It's been a nightmare at times. I mean, the more love you have, you know, you have to accept that there's going to be the opposite, which is, you know, the heartbreak. And it's just how you cope and understand that and learn from that. I believe that mm -hmm. everybody's in your life for a reason to teach you something. So I try to just do my best to stay positive about it. And in the end, I, I just love my community, even just my friends and my community. My community has been so great. They've literally, I've had friends come pick me up and bring me to Milwaukee. And we're just, I just hung out in Milwaukee for like five days and I got to go see everyone. And, um, it was nice to just with social distance and masks and everything, but just to see everybody and uh, know that our community is pretty strong if you do need someone. So at least there's that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even if dating is complicated because it's complicated for anyone, really. Especially now. Yes. <laughs> Especially now. Do you think that a lot of lesbians get scared away from the community or do you think that generally most I mean I, w I don't want to say like program to be monogamous because that sounds so weird and creepy but like do you think do you think it's a it's a, a like a, a thing that they actually get uh, scared away from the community because of all of these hardships that we've been talking about I'm not sure that's interesting question I guess I'm not scared yet um, <laughs> sure but I will say that when I view other like, I know a lot of other lesbian couples, okay? Mm -hmm. And not Polly. They're monogamous. Right. But the reason why they're monogamous, a lot of it has to do with the jealousy, the insecurities, the emotions, the, the I can't let, I can't share aspect. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a result of why there's not as many lesbians in the poly community is the emotional attachment and the codependence and sharing and women are scary <laughs> i like if anything i'm scared of that like i think i'm more scared of lesbian women than i am scared of like bisexual women because i don't know they're more of their partners i've never had to deal with it though like in my dating realm it would be really interesting to see you know, I haven't found any, though. I haven't found any of those fairies yet. <laughs> <laughs> you're the only one. I'm the only one. No, you're not the only one. I know. You can't be the only one. But hopefully you're putting yourself out here in the world in this way will help other people to see that there is a space for them. And right. Yeah, actually, the only other, like, lesbian couples in the community who have been in the community have dated men so they yep. identify as a lesbian couple right but they but they date men so yeah it's it i actually right. never thought know, about it but it's very rare one other lesbian couple but they've dated men there and one of them is i don't even i wouldn't i don't think she identifies necessarily as a lesbian but their couple does so i yeah. don't know yeah yes. right like one of those things and well an identity is distinct from behavior like sure. yeah yeah a lesbian if you identify as a lesbian no matter who you might decide to you know randomly fuck just like <laughs> right. if you are you know like i'm no less queer or Lindsay, you're no less queer in a relationship with a man you know identity right. behavior are distinct 
But it is also, I think, I mean, lesbian invisibility is an issue in the world. And I think it's maybe exacerbated in our community because there's so much more visible dating, heterosexual dating. Heterosexual and bi. You know, I would say that there's, especially when, like, there's, especially from, like, the monogamous um, view point of, like, what, what polyamory is, they often think of the triad, you know, like, whenever I talk to a monogamous person about polyamory, they're always like, oh, so you have like either you're in a relationship with your partner or there's three of you. Like the, the, the number three always sticks with people. Right. And they're always thinking like it must be two women and a man. And and so I think that bisexuality is just assumed to go hand in hand with polyamory. But like lesbian, they're way off on the side. They have nothing to do with us. You know, like there's always got to be a man. Right. There's this male centric world that we live in. Like, of course, there's going to be a dude somewhere. Right. There has to be. Otherwise, it won't work. You know? <laughs> like, what do they even do? Yeah. What do they do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. I've totally. And I was on a Facebook group that is polyamory dating. And it's got all the whole world, really. It's open to. Um, and every once in a while, someone posts like, about lesbian couples every once in a while and there's not very many comments on there and there's not very many pictures on there of lesbian couples that are poly and this is like worldwide on the site huge group yeah huge it's a huge group and i just giggle because i'm like where are we like (laughs) and then let alone fem like femi lesbians that's a whole nother so like that's a whole nother topic because mm-hmm. you don't look gay. Then you got all that going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's right. literally what I've been told. So yeah. like it or you could pass for straight. What does that even mean? I don't <laughs> right. know. Why would I wanna do that? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, I was like, now I wear a rainbow with everything that I wear to make <laughs> sure that it is freaking known. <laughs> <laughs> The nice thing about having mask accessories, you can always wear a rainbow, no matter what. (laughs) Yes, this pandemic has actually been great. (laughs) I do have a rainbow mask. I actually thought about that when it comes to like, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the uh, gay hanky code. For gay men specifically, or usually, although it might have also been a big thing in uh, for like lesbian culture but I think started in the maybe 60s 70s and you have a, a handkerchief yeah. so you have a handkerchief in your back pocket and depending on say if it's on your left or right pocket might mean you're a top or a bottom or if it's a different color it might mean you're into this sex act or that or giving or receiving you know like there's and if you google it there's a whole wikipedia article and there's probably 30 different colors of hankies nobody's going to necessarily have that memorized but also it could just be like hey what's that hanky mean you know like it it brings open the conversation and it also is just a signifier for other gay men that like oh that person um is probably gay right they have a hanky hanging out of the back of their pocket but i don't think lesbians have codes (laughs) what the hell yeah i don't think they have a culture of codes yeah not that elaborate it's hard. I think it's really hard as a, as, as fem women to communicate in that code. 
I feel like if you're very butch presenting lesbian, then you you do kind of bypass that code. You're just like, oh, yeah, I am a lesbian. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just a flirt, so I can pretty much they'll know within a few moments that I'm that I'm gay by how I flirt, I think. But so often in the poly community, people talk about how they don't they cannot read signs because everyone they either feel like no one is ever flirting with them or everyone is flirting with them and they don't understand i mean that's just like a meme that i've seen a lot of like i can't tell if you're flirting with me you have to be super explicit and when it comes to especially women flirting with each other they're like i don't know if you want to be my friend or if you're just super nice or if you're actually flirting i love awkward women they're so cute I make it known. Don't worry, Lindsay. (laughs) That's very Um, important. Yes. (laughs) Makes it it much easier. I have heard of the pineapple in the shopping cart thing for swingers. Have you heard that? You put an upside down pineapple in the shopping (laughs) cart? No. (laughs) I've heard of a couple things for swingers, but not that. I've heard of white stones outside of your house. Yeah, like suburban culture, you know, like. I don't know, every house on the block looks the same. You put white stones in your flower beds and that means that you're a swinger. I, Which again, like, what do you go and do you go and knock on the door? I like drive around. Yeah, I'm right. Going to make it a point to knock on those doors. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that might have been a total urban legend from like the 70s, you know, key party culture, but that is one that I've heard. Also black wedding rings. And then ankle it. Oh, I had a black wedding ring. That's I do too. I have one too. And I was like, "What am I coding? The anklet? I have heard of that. I've heard of it with like only. I've only seen a picture of one person ever wearing an anklet. But sometimes on swingers like posters or events, the picture will literally just be like a heeled foot with an anklet bracelet on it. So I don't know if it's actually a code or because again. Other people wear anklets or black wedding bands. So, like, <laughs> and have white stones in their landscape. Some people yeah. just aren't paying attention to where they put their pineapple. Yes, <laughs> right. You're a hoopy fruit who really knows where your pineapple is. Yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, there are signifiers maybe within the lesbian community, but that, again, like that, that aren't totally 100% correct all the time. But, like, in the 90s, I'm sure something like, flannel and a denim jacket you know like that might have signified something or it might have signified you're into nirvana you know it's like i don't know <laughs> like, uh, but i'm sure that there were like dress uh or outfit trends that maybe skewed gay or, or not but nowadays i don't know like there's not really <laughs> there's not anything no it's you just wear like a shirt that says i'm gay that's nice you know I like to have yeah. or a button no one knows i'm a lesbian <laughs> i always like the i'm not gay but my girlfriend is oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and i have like i have the pride converse shoes and that that helps for sure yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> i try to make it known as much as i can if, if that's possible <laughs> but i still get hit on quite often by men and then I tell them that I'm gay, and then I still get hit on by... <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Or they have to talk about their, oh, I am friends with lots of lesbians. And then they go into, like, conversations. And I feel like that's, like, 
I'm not racist because I have black friends. Like, I yeah, like yeah. Like the so same category. Like, mm-hmm. you wouldn't tell that to someone. You, you would think, yeah, right. you would right. think. Oh, do you know Jennifer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you all know each other? <laughs> well, is there anything that you have, because you you have been out for a while, you've um, been in the communities for a while, do you have advice for other polyamorous lesbians? My advice would be the same advice I would give anybody in any relationship, anybody communication is key you need to be on top of your communication when it goes haywire you need to be on top of that and find out ways to better communicate the biggest thing is now we have all of these different ways of communication and I would say just be a little aware of what is appropriate in a phone call versus a text I really couldn't emphasize that any more than we're all dealing with the same stuff. And also uh, make sure you identify your boundaries and stay true to them. And don't let someone talk your boundaries down. You have a right to have boundaries and it's very important in your relationships. So I would say, yeah, having your boundaries, maintaining them and maintaining clear communication is probably the best advice that I could do your research especially if you're poly do your research sound advice thank you so much Yolanda Mm -hmm. for agreeing to be interviewed and for picking this as the topic I really hope that we can help encourage our community to be more inclusive of lesbians and also more sensitive about not asking rude inappropriate Mm -hmm. questions Yes. Thank you guys for having me so much. I really appreciate being on. Yeah. And if I, I feel like if we prevent even one cis het man from hitting on a lesbian inappropriately, then we've done our job. Yes. <laughs> Will that happen? Uh, Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right. We yeah, can dream. Well, yeah, we can dream. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for being on. Bye. Have a good night. And that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams. We'd like to thank podcast husband Rob for being our sound engineer. And thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com if you have a listener question or a comment. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash polyamoryuncensored. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and remember... We love you. Bye.